Hi, Creepsers. Barry Marino here. We're going to be taking a short hiatus for Thanksgiving week, but we're going to drop an episode for a classic Open Shutters episode from February 17th, 2021. The Lonely Hearts Killers. This is the story of these two really, really fucked up people who went around fleecing widows and, and, and divorcees and everything and then killing them. Yeah, that's what they did. Uh, exciting episode. So some of you newbies who just, uh, you know, have come discovered us recently, you can listen to it for the first time. And some of you veterans who have been with us for a while, since it is almost two years ago, it's a year and a half ago, yeah, you can listen to it again. So happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Open Shutters. Bye. Hi, Creepsers. I'm Barry Marino. And I'm Philip Landry. And this is Open Shutters. Scary ghost, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hey, Philip. Uh, we, we're back. We, we were out for a week. You weren't feeling well, huh? I was not feeling well. I'm feeling a lot better. I appreciate all the well wishes. I actually had a pretty severe infection that sent me to the ER, and I've been uh, taking my antibiotics, and it's, it's a little bit of a slow recovery, but I'm very thankful for all the medical staff that helped me. Yeah, all those well wishes. How'd you get to all those mailboxes at one time and write all those letters? Oh, <laughs> I think I just... I'm just going to say I'm thankful. <laughs> I don't even know if I had energy to do more about that. I'm actually just thankful we're back. I've got, you know, I'm going to have horoscopes for y'all later on. And I'm really, I'm just really thankful that y'all were patient enough uh, to wait for this episode. So. Yeah, and this is one that everybody's been waiting for. This is a good one. and uh, But we have a lot of stuff to discuss in the first half, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what, what was it? Uh, I've been watching that. Uh, I've still got one episode left, the Cecil Hotel. Oh, yeah. Netflix, we're going to have, we're uh, not, I mean, not anytime soon, but eventually, some point this year, we're going to have to find some time to talk about oh, yeah, we the crimes at the Cecil Hotel. But yeah. it's a really, really a creepy, creepy, creepy docuseries. And I've, I haven't even seen the last episode yet, but there's something in the third episode that just is sticking in my head. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to have any spoilers. Oh yeah, and I finally, I finally got to watch, and I think you said you saw it as well. They had the uh, Antebellum movie on yes, Hulu. Yeah, I saw that on Hulu. Yeah. No spoilers on that if you haven't seen it, but very, go watch it. Very, very good. And tonight, we today we went to see. Now you couldn't come with us last week. They've been showing the Lord of the Ring movies at the AMC theater at the IMAX. Here. Yeah. And they showing them in the IMAX. So we went to see. Uh, a bunch of us went to see the first one. Curtis, Lance, and William Alvarez and I went to see the first one. But Philip was too sick last week. But, but I have seen them so many times. I'm like, a, but you came with us to see the yes, second one yes, today. Yes. And yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you have to see Lord of the Rings on IMAX. It's the only way to watch it. It did bring back great memories from like 20 years ago. Like, oh, we and you would need to think. It's so hard to believe that that was 20 years ago because it looks like it. It just looks brand new. And I, but no, the thing about it is, it it all of your 
more contemporary fantasy films owe so much to that trilogy. Yeah, even great Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I can see the, the influences oh, yes. of Game of oh, Thrones yes. had on you know. Yeah, I really you know I got my got my geek on watching that today, and um, we also uh, we have uh, well we have a, a few obits today. Because we missed. Oh yeah, we last missed two. Week. We had two weeks. Yeah, yeah, so we got two weeks worth of opens. So I'm gonna start with the first one, uh, Christopher Plummer. You remember him, oh. Baron von Trapp from the I Sound know. of Music. He um, he died at the age of 91, and he, he became the oldest Academy Award winner in history. He was a zaddy in his day. He man was one hot man. The I, man. I must be honest. A man that. has credits up the wazoo. And he has loads he of credits. The yeah. win. Uh, he played uh, J. Paul Getty in the um, the, um, the movie about the uh, kidnapping of the grandson. Oh yeah, he he played J. He he played him in that move in the theatrical movie, and then there was the the FX miniseries where Donald Sutherland played the same character, he played J. Paul Getty. But he's mainly known for Baron von Trapp in The Sound of Music, and uh, he was also married. His daughter is Amanda Plummer. You know who she is from. Uh, Pulp Fiction. You know the two that robbed the, the diner in Pulp really? Fiction? Yeah, that's his... He, I he was, didn't know that. You, I'm finding out just now what he's saying. He <laughs> was married to to uh, Tammy Grimes, a, a, a um, Broadway actress. And that's their only, his only child is Amanda Plummer. She was born in 1957. Yeah. Same year. And as I saw the he, interview they did with Julie Andrews after he passed, and she had some wonderful things to say about co-starring with him. Yeah. And uh, a second one that we didn't that we have made is Mary Wilson, one of the Supremes. Oh, she, um, you know that Diana Ross is the last of the original Supremes left. That's Florence true. Florence Ballard died back in the seventies. Wow, that is. And true. it was I don't know is Cindy Birdsong still alive? I'm not sure, but um, she's the one who replaced uh, Florence Ballard. But Mary Wilson and Diana Ross was, you know, the Diana Ross is the last. Um, the last of the original Supremes. So she was one of the founding members. And she and uh, Diana Ross had kind of a turbulent relationship. He even wrote... Well, I mean, come on. That happens in most most groups at some point. Especially when Diana Ross went off to be a movie star. And, and then uh, things came out that she wasn't really that nice of a person. So Diana Ross, was the, Ross. Diana Ross was the Beyonce of her time? She was the diva. <laughs> And Beyonce, I, 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 yeah. Well, actually, it's funny because when I was a limo driver. Or I Beyonce drove, is the Diana Ross of her time. I drove um, uh, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. You remember the first Sims uh, uh, game, the very first one when it first came out, like twenty yes. years ago. Yes. Well, people used to make these skins and they would put them online for you to download into the game. And I got that Destiny's Child, and I didn't even know the names of any of the girls of Destiny's Child. So I named them <laughs> Diana, Mary, and Florence. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. And I just happened to get it right. The Beyonce one was the one I named Diana. And <laughs> the Michelle one was the one I named Mary Wilson. I didn't even realize that I was I had it right. So when I rode her in uh, in the limo, she was really, really nice. She she chartered me for the whole day. And when I rode her in the limo, she says, uh, I told her about the, the Sims game. This was many years later. She says, I said, and... I just happened, Beyonce happened to be Diana Ross. She said, well, of course. She says, and I had to have been Mary Wilson, wasn't I? I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were Mary Wilson. 
So, uh, and so she goes, she says, well, I can't wait to tell Beyonce about this. I said, yeah, because Beyonce is kind of the Diana Ross of of Destiny's Child. She says, Beyonce is much nicer than Diana Ross. Oh, all right now. (laughs) So, um, you know, the Supremes went on after Diana, and they had a few hits after Diana Ross left, including Stone Love and Nathan Jones. And those were the two, those were two big Supreme hits without Diana Ross. Now, Diana Ross also went on to do uh, you Reach Out and Touch, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and oh, many, many, many others. So rest in peace, Mary Wilson. We're going to miss in peace, Mary. you a lot. All right, let's move right along. Our next one we're going to have is, you remember, Larry Flynn, Hustler Magazine founder. Nasty man, huh? But he, but he made so many young men's fantasies come young straight men straight but you know every now and then he would sneak in a naked man in there you know just to for them pansexual boys i guess and i mean and then he is behind the 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 club that was on bourbon street you know oh yeah well he um i remember some of the early episodes some episodes some of the early issues of hustler it came out when i was just about old enough to read pornographic material just about reached that age, and it used to it used to be really really homophobic in the beginning. Yeah. And then when the Anita Bryan stuff started, he really came out in favor of the gay community, and he did a 180 degree turn. Uh, his and he became like a really big supporter of of you know he supported marriage equality and everything. So he became a really big supporter of the LGBT. Q community, I get they they change those alphabet letters on that thing so many times. I have no, I have no, I, I never can get them right. But anyway, he also was a big pro, uh, free speech. And the thing I like is he um, he uh, he got sued by Jerry Falwell and won. Oh, that was entertaining. Yeah, they know. even that, that even. Uh, oh, one thing it is, is he he um, he paid the paparazzi eighteen thousand dollars. For nude pictures of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, and print and and published them in the movie. It were real fuzzy paparazzi pictures, but we got to see Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis's junk. <laughs> oh, don't say it that way. <laughs> and it's like okay, and I don't know. I didn't want to see Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis naked anyway, so I don't like him too that, much. That, well, that's kind of intrusive paparazzi <laughs> photos. Yeah. Yeah, really. Okay, the next one's a little bit on the um, you know, lower scale, but anybody who's a fan of Dark Shadows, have you, you met uh, uh, soap opera fans? Yes. The ja- actor uh, Christopher Pencock, he's uh, mostly known for Dark Shadows, General Hospital, and Guide and Light. He, he died at the age of 76. On uh, Dark Shadows, did you ever watch any of the old Dark Shadows? Yes. Okay, did you ever see the one where the Leviathan storyline? Where the little kid grows from, they, they, first they get a little baby, and then they get the little bitty kid, and then they get the sort of older kid, and then he's an adult, and he falls in love with Carolyn. Well, he okay. played that role, and then he went on oh. to play, when they went to a parallel time thing, he played Dr. Cyrus Longfellow, who was also, who did the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing, okay. and was tormenting a barmaid. You know, Dan Curtis used to love to rip off old classic horror stuff. And then his last role was Gabriel Collins back in 1841. 
he was a really really nasty family member that was in a wheelchair and he was pretending that he was he was crippled but he wasn't and it, but anyway he was really good at playing villains and he played um I, I, I never was much of a general hospital, but I know in Guiding Light he played Dr. Justin Marlowe, who was actually a good guy, that one. So anyway, um, so and uh, last, our last death is uh, Rush Limbaugh, the conservative right-wing attack machine, as they have on this article I'm looking at now. He died today at the age of 70 of lung cancer. Lung cancer is a terrible thing. I really wouldn't wish it on anybody. I'm seeing that look on your face. I know you want to say something, but you don't want to say it. Nope. What else you got? No, I see. What else I got? All right. I'm going to talk about something that I uh, I heard uh, that I, I was I got interested in. It was an article I read about you. Remember Shelley Duvall? Yes. She was a um, she she was pretty. She got to be a pretty big star in the '70s and '80s. Her first movie was with Robert Altman, uh, Stuart uh, Brewster McCloud. I never really saw it. It's got kind of a cult following. Her co-star was Bud Court, you know, from Adam uh, Harold and Maude. And then she did Nashville. And uh, but but her, biggest, her biggest hit was The Shining. Yes, everyone but, knows her. As well, that was her Shining. two signature roles came in 1980. The Shining, and then she was olive oil to Robin Williams' Popeye. Yeah, but everyone today knows her as the woman from The Shining. Oh, yeah, well, and, and they know her as olive oil, too, so... But anyway, it seems that back in... Uh, she, she pretty much left Hollywood in the 90s. She did do her last film in 2002, which was an independent film, and moved back to her native Texas. Now, about uh, in, the, in late 2016, Dr. Phil got wind that she was suffering from mental illness. And he looked her up, and he got her to appear on his show. Mm. And did you see any of the footage from that show? It's rather disturbing. For one thing, she doesn't look. It's you wouldn't never believe this woman played olive oil because she's gained a lot of weight. She's really big now, and she's very. She's aged badly, and she had. Um, a, you could see she's a smoker because her teeth are all nicotine stained, and she got on there and she was talking about how she thought Robin Williams was still alive, and that he's shape shifting. And she was saying some really crazy Aww. stuff. But Dr. Phil has got, got a lot of flack for that because it seemed as though he was trying to bait her to make her say these crazy things. Um, Dr. Phil is a controversial character. There's times when he really does hit the mark and he is really helpful. There's other times where... And, and, and it's one of the reasons... I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything, per se, negative about him, but I am going to say... He's human and he makes mistakes. And that was possibly yeah. a show where he made a mistake. Well, anyway, last week a, a, a reporter from the, the magazine Hollywood Reporter uh, looked her up again and found her. And, and, and from what he said, she's actually doing better now. But Dr. Phil was trying to put her in a, a facility. He said he wanted to get her help. And she went to the facility, but she refused to sign in. So they just brought her back to Texas. Mm. So she said that... Um, she was, uh, from the article I read, she's not doing so bad. Well, that's good. But she said about Dr. Phil, she says, uh, uh, Duvall still gets visibly distressed at the mention of Dr. Phil McGraw's name. And she says, I found out the kind of person he is the hard way. My mother didn't like him either. A lot of people, like Dan, that's Dan is her husband, a partner, said, you shouldn't have done that, Shelly. 
Following the broadcast and this backlash, McGraw attempted to contact Duvall. She said he still called my mother. She told him, don't call my daughter anymore. But he started calling my mother all the time, trying to get her to let me talk to him again. And she said, um, the overall takeout from the recent uh, interview was that she's comforting a Texan lifestyle, far away from the glitz and glamour of Hollywood in Los Angeles. And the profile uh, that locals look on her as more of an eccentric aunt than a faded movie star. So, um, it really and truly, they said, you know, they said that the infamous Dr. Phil Clip is just one fragmented look at on how the now 71-year-old's life, which is not nearly as telling as the full picture. So I don't know how I feel about Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil can be, it seems to me that he could be kind of, uh, I don't know. They all own this about race. Well, and he's not alone in that because there's a lot, I mean, we just know him as high profile. But there are a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists that mishandle, and, and, and there are some that do handle it very well, but there's a lot that do also sometimes mishandle. They're not perfect. They're, they're Like I said, they're people. And that is also one of the things that we're going to have a whole month next month where we're going to be talking about asylums and mental health mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And we're going to be getting into a lot of those topics. And I so. think, you know, I think maybe even everybody should just leave Shelly Duvall alone. Yeah. She's happy in her life. She left a great body of work. Of course, The Shining, uh, Nashville, Three Women, uh, some of her movies, uh, Popeye, and that wonderful fairy tale theater from uh, from the 80s on Showtime, where she got all these big stars to play, do these. She even got one with Mary Steenburgen as Little Red Riding Hood. And Mary Steenburgen was married to Malcolm McDowell. And the, and the way the you're saying it, she, played the she is trying to seek out help outside of, you know, the spotlight. Yeah. And I think that should be respected. People's, yeah, I, you know, people's, yeah. If, I mean, people should be allowed outside the spotlight to handle their mental and health. And she seems like where she's living, she's happy. They even showed that, you know, for her last birthday, for her 70th, birth, for her 70th birthday, they had a big party for her at... Uh, what is it? The Red Lobster's her favorite restaurant, and she likes <laughs> to go to the Red Lobster. And get her, she's just get those, she just wants get to us, be a those cheddar biscuits. Huh? She doesn't want to be a movie star anymore. And to tell you the her. truth, she she pretty, she let herself go. She she may have done that on purpose so nobody will try to cast her in anything. We don't know, you know. Well, wish her well and hope she has the space she needs to do the healing she needs and for herself. Yeah. And you're feeling better too now, huh? Oh well, oh yeah. Well, like I said earlier, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm still recovering a little bit, still on antibiotics, but yeah, that was for the physical health. You know? <laughs> All right. So what we're gonna do now? We're gonna go back to a commercial for our own business, Barry Marino's Craft Creations, and then we'll be right back. We are back. Now this, uh, this next story is the second in our series of Love Hurts When Love Turns Into Murder, and this is a case that goes back to between. Uh, 1947 and 1949, it's, it's the Lonely Hearts Killer, Raymond Fernandez, and Martha Beck. Now, um, they between the uh, those years, they are suspected of killed 20 people. Now, it's really strange how they, they came about. Uh, Raymond Fernandez was born on December 17, uh, 1914 in Hawaii to Spanish uh, parents. Hawaii wasn't a state back then, but it was a territory, so he actually was a, a, an American citizen. And he served in World War II, 
and a steel hatchet fell on him during his during this time in the military, in the military, and it injured his frontal lobe, which uh, may have affected his social and sexual behavior. And upon release from the hospital, he stole some clothing and was subsequently imprisoned for a year. During which time, his cellmate converted him to belief in voodoo and black magic, mm. which he believed gave him power over women. Now, Martha Beck, she was born Martha Julie Seabrook on May 6, 1920, in Milton, Florida. And um, allegedly, due to a glandular problem, that, you know, they, she was overweight and underwent puberty prematurely. And uh, she had, it, that also brought on promiscuous behavior. So uh, she, um, she got pregnant as a teenager, and she even joined a traveling circus. And um, Truman Capote claims to have known her when he was a little kid, when he was 10. And then she finished nursing school, and she married, and she became pregnant again. The first baby she had out of wedlock, the second child, she, the, 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 the man, his name was Alfred Beck, he married her. But they divorced six months later. She gave birth to a son. Now she was um, she was unemployed and a single mother, and she escaped into a fantasy world. She used to read romance magazines and novels and watch romantic movies, and then she finally mm. found a job at the Pensacola Hospital for Children in 1946. Now she placed what they used to call the lonely hearts. See, we don't that, that's something we may have to explain to today's audiences. Lonely hearts. They were like Lonely Hearts tabloids. They were like these um, these newspapers, personal. and they were all, like pers all personal ads. Yeah. Listen, that's because now we're in this age where everybody's swiping left and swiping right and doing all this on these different ads. And They're not used to that because there was really a stigma with that. That was actually for people who couldn't meet anybody any other way, and it was all always a lot of obese, unattractive women and kind of socially awkward Big Bang Theory type guys. You know that that wouldn't uh, that weren't considered traditionally attractive, and it also it also attracted con men and scam artists like Ray Fernandez. Well, we still got they still have scam artists sitting out oh, there yeah. on the apps oh, yeah. nowadays. Oh yeah, oh definitely. So uh, she she placed our uh, a lonely hearts and Raymond Fernandez answered it, and they started. He visited her, and for a short time they started a little bit. Um, of a romance, and she believed that they were going to be married. So he went to New York City, and she made preparations in Milton for her wedding. But she was fired from her job because they found all the lurid, dirty love letters she and Ray had. And that, back in those days, there were all kinds of morals clauses in jobs. Yeah, we you would actually lose now. your job because you slept with somebody you weren't married to, and things like that. Now, you know, we we can't do that today. So then she uh, she packed up and she went to his, uh, she arrived on his doorstep in New York, in New York City, and what happened is is she didn't realize that he was trying to scam her, but she found out, and he was so, he he decided he liked her, so he incorporated her into his scams. Hmm. Now, um, what he would do is he he would he would answer these lonely hearts things from women. A lot of times it was older women. And she would pose as his sister, and they would scam the women out of the money, and then leave. 
They oh, take wow. their money and go. And uh, but with her um, posing as his sister, it, it, it made them believe. It gave them more of a sense of of um, security. They they figured, oh, you know. <clears throat> this man's bringing his sister, so he must be okay. Kind of like a chaperone, is what they were thinking, yeah. Yeah. So they start, so eventually, but when he would, he was, he used to promise her he would never have sex with the women, but he didn't always keep that promise. And when she found out about it, she would get violent. So what happened is, is the first murder was a woman named Janet Fay, who was 66 years old, and they became engaged. Well, you know, with Martha posing as a sister. Well, Martha caught them having sex, picked up a hammer, and whacked Janet Faye on the on the head. But the woman didn't mm. die, and so she got Ray to strangle her. And it, it, we're going to be talking about that movie in a little bit. But uh, she got uh, Ray to strangle her, and the family became suspicious, and they disappeared. So then they went uh, to uh, Wyoming Township in Michigan, the suburb of Grand Rapids, and they stayed with a woman named Delphine Downing. She was a 28-year-old widow with a two-year-old daughter. And uh, Downing got aggravated because she said, Ray wore a toupee. And she saw yeah. about his toupee, and it freaked her out. So Martha, being all nice, gave her some pills to calm her down. And the pills got her all jerky. They didn't have Xanax in those days, but it was probably something similar. <clears throat> and when she was all high, they shot her in the head, and then they went and drowned the baby, the two-year-old girl. Mm. Now, uh, they did not, They had a couple other women. The one woman, they, um, they drugged her and put her on a bus from, to, to Florida. And by the time she got to Florida, she was dead on the bus. So what happened was, is um, that when they killed Delphine and 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 the, and the child Renelle, they went to the movies, like it was nothing. They came back, wow. and the neighbors started getting suspicious. They didn't see the woman and the child. They just saw this man and this fat woman going around the house. So they called the police. The police came, found the murder, found the um, found the the bodies. Of the child and the uh, and the little woman, and so then uh, they both confessed to the murders, and they, they they denied committing seventeen that were attributed to them. So they um, the the state yeah yeah uh, Michigan didn't have the death penalty at the time, but New York did. So they sent so they wound up confessing the Janet Faye's murder, and that's the one where they were act, they were sentenced to death. And on March 8th, 1951, both of them were executed. He was executed, and she was executed about two hours later. And they still were writing each other dirty, nasty love letters all the time. They were on death row. Now, we watched a movie that was based on this case called The Honeymoon Killers. Yes! With uh, Tony LaBianco as Ray and Shirley Stoller as Martha. It was on the HBO Max. It's on HBO Max now, if you want to see it. Now, it's made 19... 69 it's released black and white, in 1970. Yeah. It's black and white. There's a younger Doris Roberts, you know, Marie Barone from Everybody Loves Rain. I know you had to point it out. I didn't notice that at first. And then when you pointed it out, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. She plays, she plays uh, uh, Martha's friend. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of differences in the movie. The movie doesn't follow the truth. What happened was is uh, 
when Ray said he didn't want any children, Martha put her children, sent her children to the Salvation Army. She just, okay, I don't want them anymore. I'm surprised they didn't just kill them. <laughs> yeah. And she gave them to the Salvation Army. Now, in the movie, they show that she was taking care of her elderly mother, and she puts her elderly mother in the nursery. Yes. And they have her all kind of torn up about it, you know. <clears throat> and the movie shows that doesn't show them as being really evil. It shows uh, her as it's her, and she gets enraged and has anger issues, and that's how the murders happen. Where in real life, I think she was really an evil, calculating woman, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, and normally I don't do this, but since we're talking about lovers and compatibility and all, I was listening when you gave the um, the birth dates. Yeah. That's a strange-ass match. You think you said December 17th, 1914 for him. Yes. That would make him a Sagittarius tiger. It was December 17th, yes, and 1914. And her... She would have been because she was 6, 1920. She would have been a Taurus monkey. Now, her being a monkey, that that is very calculated. They're she highly a like an elephant, actually. Well, come on, Barry, <laughs> be nice, okay? I don't know if I if I have to be nice to her. Not to her, but you know, like honestly, about we can't fat shame dead serial killers. Well, I, I, don't I don't know. Okay, but anyhow. So, I actually feel like she was very calculated. You're trying to say she became sex crazed. I think she was. No, she was from the beginning. Cause I, I think she was from the beginning. Thing, I, she was sexually, I think that was part of her She was sexually promiscuous from the time she That was, was part of her game to work the system. She went through puberty at 10 years old and she started having sex at 11. Yeah. I do <coughs> think he was overly alluring he did actually i think at some level did use her but also enjoyed he was intrigued by what she was doing but i'm not to say i think they were the best match i think it was a crazy match like i think that they didn't really help each other out they helped each other spiral might have been this, like they were just awful. they spiraled each other into they this were awful madness. people sac- uh, they were awful people separately but together they were totally toxic oh it spirals into this criminal madness yeah and they and, and they bring out what they think is the best of one another, but it's actually the worst instincts in one another. Now, the movie showed it was much more sympathetic to her than she deserved it to be because they showed where she had some guilt about killing uh, Delphine and Renell, and she I called the police on them. She called the police and turned them in. Everything and, she, and that's not what happened. They went to the movies. They lived in that house with the bodies for a few days until the neighbors. Sent I don't, the police and I don't think there. she would have turned him in because as much as she didn't like sometimes when he'd sleep with another woman, the fact is the woman was already eliminated out the picture. Yeah. So she got her man back, and that was the whole point. If, if you think about it, is is everything she seems to have done in real life was always to get him back. Yeah. As long as she. As long as she wasn't really losing him, it was okay. But well, like there were scenes in the movie. Now this one was totally made up. Where they're with the, um, they're at the lake with this woman, and he starts making out with the woman while she's in the lake swimming, and she tur- purposely tries to drown herself. Oh God, that was definitely that scene was ridiculous. I think I think uh, that is actually the trait of someone with borderline personality disorder. And I don't think she had borderline personality no. disorder. Because a borderline has a feeling of emptiness. 
And I don't think she felt and, empty. And Fordalon doesn't always know what they're doing. I think she knew every she knew single she thing was doing. she was doing. Yeah. And he, 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 he knew she was like that. So he knew he could use that to his advantage as well. Yeah. And he took that advantage. Oh yes. And they, they, you know, they just were. Um, I don't know. It's just. And why kill the child? Why not just leave? Even put to leave the child with the firehouse and go off. Now you know there's another movie we made. It's on uh, Tubi called Lonely Hearts, and in this movie, uh, Jared Leto plays Ray, and of all people, Selma Hayek plays Martha, which is total miscasting, because Selma Hayek's hot and beautiful and sexy. Okay, they were trying to sell that movie. <laughs> now in the movie, in the old movie. And John Travolta's the cop that's right. trying to find him, that's trying to catch him. Now, in the first movie with Janet Faye, they had they, they, they didn't do it the way it really happened in real life. They had the lady, she had, had withdrawn all her money and gotten cashier's checks, and she was worried about her money. And they had that big chest river with the name on it, and they yeah. had painted the that was And if she was worried about the money... And she starts getting panicky about the money, and that's when she hits her on the head with the hammer. Right. And then has him strangle the old lady to death. It's a very, very disturbing scene. But that's it's how, a disturbing scene, but I think the real life was probably a lot more... That just seemed like... It kind of seemed off in the movie. I think if it was done in real life, it would have been a lot even even more intense. Well, I think the acting in those in those scenes was really good, especially the lady that played Janet Faye. Oh, she yeah. was an old radio actress. Oh, yeah. She never had done many. I think that's like the only movie she did. Yeah. She did a lot of the radio soaps and everything back in the 30s and 40s. But um, in the, the, the next movie, which was made in 2005, the Selma Hayek movie, Alice Krieg plays Janet Faye. You know Alice Krieg? You know her from a movie. She was in a movie. What was it called? Nightcrawlers or something, where uh, she and her son were these like werewolf or vampire people. Vaguely, and, and her son was was um, Leo from from Charmed. The actor who played Leo in Charmed. Oh, okay, I, I kind of. Okay. And then she was in the movie Ghost Story. She was the ghost actually. Hmm. And um, so she was a much more attractive woman than the woman you had in that first movie. And he does, they do, she does catch them having sex and waxing with the hammer. They did that one correctly. Okay, now hold on. I have to admit, go back to the honeymoon killers for a moment. Okay. And mention just the obligatory um, product placement. In the bed. Oh, the oh yeah, the box of candy. Where where Mar Mar Martha Beck, the character yeah the character is sitting there with a box of the Whitman sand. We actually we actually have a prop sitting here of the yeah, Whitman. we have it sitting the Whitman right here. Sa Whitman sampler box, the chocolate sitting here, because that scene she even is going on the on the inside cover like trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, gonna have that little what chart. What's the Whitman The chart, yeah. yeah. And she settles on the chocolate truffle, and then you see later she's done actually eating the whole damn box. It didn't really matter what she chose. And she's passed out. And she's passed out from a diabetic coma apparently. I know she wakes right up again. I think, oh yeah! I think she just got a big old the sugar rush and sugar, her sugar right. Right. crash. But there's, I mean, it, it, it would be believable that she'd be diabetic. But that was the funniest product placement I had ever seen. Yes. 
in a while, yeah. I had forgotten about it because it goes so fast. I had to point it out. You had to go and find it. I had it. to go look through the movie I, again to I, find I, it. I totally, when I was watching, I was like, are you serious? I was laughing. It's, as crazy as the movie was, I was really laughing at that part. Now, the movie was made back in, like, in, in, like I said, 1969, 1970. It was made basically for the drive-in. It's in black and white. It's one of the last movies, I think, that they actually made in black and white. Right. And, um... It's funny because if you want to make a movie in black and white now, black and white film is more expensive than color film. But today they do Isn't everything that digital. But let's say in like in 1990 when they made when they made Schindler's List, it was at, it was more expensive to make that movie in black and white. Than well, now it color. might even be easy to do all of it because now they well, did, it's all digital. Now, now they could just yeah, edit every, and throw everything in black and white digital. with a click of a button. Yeah, <laughs> so everything's, everything's easy digital. Now. And the last black and white movie I know of that was released would have been that silent one. What was it called? The Artist. Yeah, the one of the best one was uh, Schindler's List. Well, Schindler's well, List was, was in the nineties. It was the nineties, right? yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was actually I had to. And the only thing I think ever in that one was like what was the little red, the little red, yeah. the girl with the red. Yeah, now you it. know. Now you see um, things. You, if you look at movies, you know, talking about black and white, just almost every movie was in black and white, and some of them were in Technicolor, say from the 50s, well, even in the 40s, in movies like Meet Me in St. Louis, and with Wizard of Oz, too. Well, Technicolor was an win. expensive, I mean, I mean, it was expensive. Technicolor, would you'd only did it if the movie was worth it. And all television was in black and white up until, like, about 1966. Yeah. And, um, and for a lot of people, continue to say black and white because that's the TVs they had. Yeah, because some people didn't even have a color TV a color until the 70s. Right. Yeah. And, um, but the last, like, the big movies that were black and white were like uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And I think in Cold Blood. And then after that, you'd start, everything started coming in color all the time. Everything. And then Paper Moon, which was made like in 1973, that was in black and white. And it was a novelty by then. Right. I have a movie in black and white. You have to have so, a really good reason for it now. So getting back to this movie, The Honeymoon Killers was made like it's it was like maybe what they would call the B movie back then. It was made to show drive ins. It wasn't a major film. It almost has a John Waters quality about oh, it. Oh, I know. So, the acting is kind of you know but I, like <laughs> It was so but you know, it's considered a classic today. It was. It was real. I, and, I, I must say. And it's say. considered one of the best movies. It's considered. It's. It. 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 Overshadowed. It's. The poor quality of its. You know, the poor technical quality, the acting and the uh, the story and everything overshadowed that. And uh, I enjoyed it. I think I still think it's a pretty good movie. You know, it's it, it's a driving movie, but it's. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. But now it just presents so many questions about what went on. What was going on in their minds? Like, really, what can love make people go crazier than they would have individually? I don't know about... You know about her? She had such anger issues, and she had a violent temper... I'm not sure she wouldn't have done something without him. Now him, I think he was just a con man. He just wanted the money, but he still. So, went, so you're he, saying she would have probably done rage killings of some sort. She might yeah. have been a killer nurse or something down the road. Yeah, or uh, she might. If even, he wouldn't have been in the picture, she may have even killed her own children if they got in the way of what she wanted. You know, she she. But him, 
he all he was trying to do was just he was just trying to bilk them of their money, and I think it, it was an ego thing with him. But she got him to the point where you know he had. By the time they killed Johnny Faye, he had to go along with what she said. So really, if we look at it, she had the mind of the killer. Yeah. He oh, just she was under, yeah she was she was a mastermind of all the murders. So and, and that presents that does present like especially when I was looking at it, it presents him more as possibly the sidekick. Of this yeah, yeah. But she was um, but they they did make her. But you have to look at that area. They, they gave her more of a conscious because at the end when she calls the police, it looks as though she's she's. Uh, She's having problems with the fact that she killed the child and that kind of thing. But even the fairness of I don't of, believe that. But even the fairness of that era, they weren't as fair as they are now because they would looked at it as, oh, he was the man, so he must have been more responsible for the murder. Yeah. They didn't really, and, and I'm not trying to put down, but they really didn't look at the evidence when it came to looking at things gender based. You yeah. know, with with this crime couple, where this to have been done nowadays, she might have actually gone away more than he would have. Yeah. Or she might have got the the. the oh, he could have just he he it, he might have, but they would have had him turn in state's evidence to get her because she's the one who killed the child. So exactly. she would have been. And, and but you know, still to this day, they don't like to execute women. True, but things are getting fairer, and you know what? And one of the reasons they are getting fairer is because these. These idea of gender norms are finally being sort of challenged, and we're also seeing one of the great things is we're seeing actual female, more female judges, and mm. and 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 I'm really thinking if more of we see of of women in the judicial system, whether that be prosecutors, even on the defense side, also the judges, we're actually going to see more of where. And even criminal psychologists, I think that's very important because we need more female criminal psychologists yeah. out there to give that perspective to be like, women are smart enough in good ways, but they're also smart enough to actually be killers. We don't give credit on across the board. Really. And I think one of the reasons why they were able to have so many vi uh, uh, victims is because women were encouraged to have a man in their life. Some of the some of those women, like okay, that the sixty six year old woman, would, you know, she just wanted a husband. That's all. She, you know, she was a widow and she felt incomplete without her husband. See, and that's the thing that shows also this that time as as part of the problem, like why we might not necessarily see the case that way it was then mm -hmm. nowadays, because when you're looking at the victims. A lot more women now are realizing they can be empowered. They don't have to go just like find a man. They can, and when they're 60 years old, if they just want to go sleep around with random men or date around, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. They are liberated to do whatever Blanche they want. Blanche happened. They don't need a Sue man. Sue Ann Nivens happened. <laughs> you know, they can, yes, they can be their own woman. Well, you know, it's um, um, another, pr one problem I do have with the movie is the way it treated the victims. It made them look like silly women. And I don't. Th I don't think they really were. So I think they were a product of their time, but I don't like, think they were silly like, women. Like, like they had Janet Faye. They go on in there and she's complaining because the 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 veal cutlets a dollar eighty five. Yeah, so I mean that was. A and bit. then of course, sure, and of course, uh, Martha has to get the veal cutlet just to piss her off, you know. 
And then the other woman have the birthday party for President Lincoln. And then next week they're going to... Because that was before they consolidated all the President's Day. You had Lincoln's birthday and Washington's birthday were both holidays. But they turned it into one day called President's Day and it's for all the presidents. So that's showing you the movie was made late 60s. was released early 70s, 1970. That's just showing you even there there wasn't enough progress yet made. And, the, and then she also... The, the woman that they put on the bus... She, they made her just a, to just a total airhead, you know. I mean, and the only woman in there is the woman at the lake. She's the only one that seems like a sensible person, because when she sees the pathology between those two, she's almost like I'm out of here. Yeah, you're, you know? you're actually right. That was about the only one I could say that was kind of handled where you could see the. Well, then she, you know, she's going pretending to drown herself, and then they're getting all lovey dovey, and she's looking like. What the fuck is this? And then she's still like, oh, well, no, no, no. Uh, you, you know, you could just see it that, that the actress was that good. She was, she like, was actually I'm processing the no. situation. Yes. This is not for me. I'm going. And, and, that, and you bring up a great point because even though I mean, we talk about these women being a part of good time, I think the actual women, a lot of them probably were processing what was going on. They just couldn't find the escape once they were that deep in. Yeah. And I, well, like the first woman, the one they don't kill, the, the, the school teacher. Yes. She just leaves, you know. She, she, but she was silly, too. She's in the bathtub. Oh, Mama's going to soak. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't. I she's didn't acting think... like so and, and, and calling people. I'm going to be Mr. Ray, Mrs. Ray Fernandez. That was my issue with I the movie. I can't wait until I tell my students that I'm now Mrs. Fernandez. You know, and it's like they made these women look like, almost, like we want, almost like they wanted us to want them to die. And like I said, the only woman, they, the only sensible female character in there was that woman, at, the woman at the lake. Evelyn, that was the I only one the that they per portrayed, like, yeah. You, you know, I mean, she's, she's there. She's, she thinks she's dating this guy. They're kissing, uh, you know, they're kissing at the lake. Who's supposed to be his sister gets all mad and starts trying to kill herself. And she's noticing, wait, there's more to this. And you can see her face. And you, this is it. I'm gone, you know. So I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't like the way the victims were treated. They did almost like a blame the victim, and even, uh, even, even, uh, like I said, Delphine with the birthday party for President Lincoln and all. Well, maybe they were more worried about selling those Whitman samplers. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and even Martha was made, you know, it was a blubbering mess, and she was actually a strong woman, you know. And hey, look, I went and bought one of those women samplers just to I have know, for the and podcast. it's sitting right in front of us, and you haven't opened it yet. Hey, hey, you got you to gotta go for the, I, I saved the chocolate truffle that she ate first just for you. Oh, you It's right me. there in That's the corner. That's okay, the, so I'm going to eat the chocolate truffle. You eat the chocolate truffle, truffle on air. Right. This is, this I got, Ooh. I bought the smaller one because I didn't want a whole bunch, and I don't have a nougat like she had. She had one of the nougats in her box. I think she had no, the big box. One, no one did it. No wonder this woman loved this candy. This is good. All right, I'm just going to eat the goddamn molasses chew. I know that's weird. But I'm just going to go okay, Let's close, this, sugar is gonna go let's close this back up. Let's close this back up. Well, speaking of closing up, oh, i got to swallow this candy first. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Screw me, y'all. Mm. Can you talk? Sip of water and then... I'm going to try to talk with it in my mouth. All it's right. too chewy. You can follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at A Shothers. Follow us on Facebook. 
the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast, and on Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast. Our uh, email address is openshutters at yahoo.com. You can email any suggestions. We're also available on Anchor. We're available on Spotify, Radio Plus, and uh, what's the other one? Apple, huh? Uh-huh. And several other ones, Breaker and a couple other ones, too. So, <clears throat> remember, as I eat my candy, <laughs> I'm enjoying my candy, so I want you to enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We'll see you next week. Next week, we have the local case that's pretty high profile. But oh, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yep. But uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.